Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Inside Groove podcast. It is good to be back with you again. My name is Tom Baker, and of course, as you heard in the open, the other guy said this uh, podcast is brought to you by IPC Indy, Indy Performance Composites, Jeff West and his staff, along with uh, the good folks at Skip's Fish Fry, Sean Cathcart and his team, and Man, am I jonesing for that right now. Uh, I just, uh, and sadly, I am not going to be able to to get up there for uh, Christmas and New Year's this year. It'll be the first time ever that that's happened. But just uh, too many hoops to jump through and too many ways to um, create issues for myself. But I don't need to create and, um, you know, just uh, not not going to be a good thing. My mother's building is Fort Knox at this point and wants an even longer quarantine than the uh, um, state does. And, you know, they all know me there. So um, there's really not a way to to sneak around or <laughs> do anything there, even if I wanted to. So uh, at any rate, I uh, hope everybody up there has uh, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and hate that I won't be uh, up there. But we'll be somewhere, and um, we'll just... Uh, Kind of keep our nose to the grindstone here. Um, did get the word that the um, the project that I kind of teased in the last show um, that uh, I'm working on for next year, something that I have a chance to do that uh, I can't frankly believe I have a chance to do um, for the motorsports community is about to get the green light. And so hopefully uh, by the time we come back from the Christmas New Year's break and we start our shows for 2021 I'll be able to tell you a little bit more it is going to be a very very interesting journey and I think uh, um, if this even goes half as as well as I think it will um, there'll be a a whole other uh, platform with which to draw attention to not only my shows but uh, a lot of other stuff too so I'm really excited about that for 2021 um but i again wanted uh, to just say thanks to skips fish fry and to uh uh jeff west and ipc indian of course uh rich worth and the folks of jna paving rich just uh rich uh buys race cars sells race cars um he's just uh he's become a race caraholic um and uh happy to uh, see that they've got a big block super now. I know that's been a dream of riches for a while. Uh, Mikey Bruce going to drive it, and Mikey Bruce on this show. He's going to be coming up um, in a little while, and uh, they've got the former Sean Goslin super modified in their possession now, so they're going to be uh, campaigning that whenever next Oswego is allowed to uh, hold races. And uh, also on the program, is Kyle Perry, who's going to be a rookie at the Oswego Speedway in 2021 in the 350 Super Division. He has a car very familiar to him as well. Uh, we'll talk with him about that. And uh, we're going to have Camden Proud on as well. Camden is back on New York soil. He's back in the U.S. from Norway. Um, and uh, so we're going to talk to Cam not only about 
uh, his time in Norway in this last uh, go around here, but also uh, we're going to talk to about the Oswego Speedway schedule, which is out now. Um, boy, oh boy, uh, a second modified race. I'm still trying to process that one, frankly. Um, two races for the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour at the Big O scheduled for next year. So um, we need to just um, we need to just get COVID gone so we can go back racing again. And uh, two classics, two modified races, um, a bunch of other stuff. Um, so we'll talk with Cam about all that as well. And uh, I want to talk about, uh, again, since it's our last show of the year, and I don't think I've done this yet on this show, um, I want to talk about uh, favorite Christmas stories or Christmas memories with Camden as well. Um, and you can, you all can feel free. I think it's always fun to start a thread like that and just let everybody talk to each other about their favorite Christmas memories because, you know, again, we all need positivity, right? So... Um, I will certainly share, I think, I think I've got a funny one, so I think I'll share that, um, and I'm sure Camden will come up with something, so we're, we're going to talk to Camden later as well, it'll be a busy show, um, looking forward to it, we've got schedule news, but, uh, we're going to get it all started when we come back from this break, we're going to, uh, start with Mike Bruce, and then, uh, you'll hear from Kyle Perry, and then we'll close things out with Cam and I, and have a little fun. So um, grab your favorite beverage, sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition. This is episode 66, and oh, yes, we'll talk about that too. We'll be back with uh, Mike Bruce right after this. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses. Because it's not rocket science, it's My Computer Career. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Mycomputercareer.edu, that's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove as uh, we, this really is the Christmas show. We're not going to do another one until uh, after New Year's, so uh, kind of celebrating the holidays and Having a good time here, uh, joined by Mike Bruce, who is a featured guest on this show this week. And, Mike, I, I've got to ask you, because, you know, I've talked a little bit back and forth with uh, your pit boss, uh, Rich Worth, and I, I'm still a little worried about him, man. He's just buying up all these cars and, um, you know, talking about how someday he'd love to buy a Speedway. It's like, man... Um, I, I, I mean, is, are you sure he's okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know the right answer to that one. <laughs> some, we know some, he's some not okay. Say yes, so. Yeah, we know he's not okay, but, uh, the kind of help he needs, I don't think has anything to do with how many cars he's got. Um, yeah. Sorry, Rich. I can give him the help on that one. See, that's, you know, we try to work our sponsors in as recurring characters here, you know. So, uh, no, we appreciate Rich, obviously, and it's good to have you back on. And um, all kidding aside, I mean, uh, what Rich has done, um, and and I, I keep saying Rich, but really what all you guys collectively have done in terms of building up your organization um, and all the... The, the ways in which you've been able to basically make much 
of little compared to um, many, it's it's pretty doggone incredible to watch, honestly. And I'm so excited for you to finally get a chance to race a big block super. Um, and I, I, I kind of want to go back a little bit because um, the last time we talked to you was right after one of the test sessions, you would run some really fast laps in the 350. Um, how does it get from, okay, I'm going to drive a 350 and Rob's going to do an SBS and Cameron's going to do both. And, you know, we kind of, how does it get from that to, oh, heck, let's just, let's just go big block. <laughs> uh, that goes down to Rich. <laughs> um, all summer long, you know, his excitement for racing and wanting cars and wanting to win and, 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 uh, you know, he just has a passion for it. Yes, he does. Crazy passion. A lot of people say he's crazy. You know, we're all crazy, whatever have you. But our passion for racing is <laughs> we cool are all crazy. Um, everybody around us is, you know, top of the line. And for sure, we we joked about it all summer long. Joke, 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 joke. And and he kept saying, oh, I want a big block. I want a big block. I want a big block. And uh, you know, we kind of had all through fifties, and we were excited. You know, we kind of figured a big block would come down the road someday and I did anyways I figured Rich and I would partner on a big block somehow some way and and do it but I didn't think it would happen kind of as quick as it did and uh we just kind of came across a good deal with, with uh Sean and Mr. Goslin and and uh whatever pulled the trigger on it <laughs> so I went from racing 350s to to trying a big block and um originally it was it was kind of we were just going to get the get the roller um tear it apart, go through it, do what we wanted to do this winter, um, next summer even, and focus on racing the 350 um, for the whole season. And then once we got the car home, um, you know, our phone just rang off the hooks with engines for sale and this and that. And and him and I kind of got, you know, a little more excited already. And uh, we did some shopping and some homework and asked a lot of questions to a lot of people. And and we secured a big block. So I think our focus, him and I haven't necessarily talked about it, but I think him and I are both pretty committed to doing the big block full season, um, you know, this coming season at Oswego. So, wow. Um, okay, so uh, now with you doing the big block, what does how does that kind of play out in terms of you obviously get around the three fifty? What happens with that? You know, what I guess I would assume that that Robbie's probably still running SBS. Um, what you know, what changes below the big block level? Uh, it's kind of, so Cameron, Chewy and, and Dan partnered and got Cameron, um, the 350, the Bodner 350, right. Stout 350, whatever it is there. Um, they got him that one. So Cameron's still going to run his limited and, and the 350. Um, I bought my car that I've been driving all summer off of, um, Craig Soper. Oh, so, you bought that. Okay. Yep. So I own that one completely now. Okay. Um, Craig and I had, you know, a great deal, and I kind of wanted to, wanted to have it more in my possession and, and kind of do stuff like that. So uh, he made me a great deal. Him and I have been buddies for years, and uh, he made me a great deal. I, I couldn't turn down either. So we um, made the purchase on that one just so that it was completely our car and, and was in our possession. And so that one's sitting in the garage, but um, ultimately my brother's going to run the Limited still because um, we put a ton of time and a ton of money into that car. Yeah. Um, it's Carly Hegarty's um, old cliff car, and I think she's been a dream since day one. So sure. he's going to uh, focus on running that one still. 
Um, I'm going to run the 350 that um, the 22 350 that, that we ran the fast laps in. Um, we'll run that when we want to. So there's uh, there's talk about the schedule. We're still waiting for the first speed base schedule to come out, but there's talk that there's going to be some races where big blocks are racing, the 350s aren't. You know, there's the weeks where the 350s race and the big blocks might not be, whatever have you. So we're kind of waiting for the schedule to come out. But okay. ultimately, we want to keep, you know, the 350 and the big block for me so that um, we can race every week, whether it's, you know, in the wing car or in the non-wing super. So I'm going to keep that one available. We're trying to sell um, – sell or raffle everybody's jumped on board of the raffle train so we figured yeah. we'd jump into it too and uh, trying to raffle off the 04 car the 04 limited or uh my 72 car that i bought off soper um just kind of coop up some get rid of some cars open up some space in the shop and and have some extra uh coin to go towards the big block so um if they sell cool if not i told rich the other night that i just assume sell my 350 before his 04 because um the thought of trying to pull off a triple header weekend, you know, racing the big block, the 350 and the limited would be something that him and I would uh, crazy enough try to give it a whirl. So. <laughs> because why not, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know that anybody's ever done it in three classes before. I'm sure maybe somebody has back in the day, but I think it would just be cool just to be able to pull it off once and, and, uh, I better get in shape first, but <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to pull off, you know, race all three, three classes in one night. So our, like I said, our main focus is going to be on the, on the big block. Cause they're, they're just a totally, uh, you know, different animal than, than anything we've done. Yeah. And there's just too many ins and outs. And, and, uh, frankly, we just don't have enough time to be able to do, you know, two, let alone three classes in any kind of regular basis. But, um, you know, to have the options to be able to jump back and forth between whatever car it is we want to run or even be able to run the limited, you know, the Evans Mills show at the end of the year, stuff like that. You know, I want to keep them options open. So Rich don't like selling cars any more than I do. So, (laughs) Well, pretty soon he's going to have to build a bigger house, I think, or a bigger garage at least. That's something, yeah. Yeah. I came across him and I partnered on a deal of a garage uh, that we're renting right now. and, And when we first got it, it was like, this is pretty sweet and you know concrete floors it had heat at the bathroom had beautiful lighting plenty of electrical i mean this is it was like the cat's ass for me i was excited and then once we we bought the we had whatever the limiteds in there and the 350s and then we brought home the tq this summer that me him and dan denny partnered on so we could do some indoor racing this winter and and uh that kind of sat in the corner that was our last section of open space and <laughs> then we brought the big block home and then I brought my, I'm building a pit cart right now for have a little more organization next year. Instead of totes of tools, we can have everything in a pit cart and, uh, and my golly, you can barely walk through this, walk through the shop now. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> so he's going to have to put up something here pretty quick. That's crazy. Wow. Well, um, okay. So, uh, Sean's car, as far as I know, is a bit of an older, um, hawk car if i remember correctly um Mm -hmm. are you planning to do anything are there any updates that you need to do or anything that would would need to happen in order to kind of bring it to uh um current spec to be able to compete with the latest and greatest um not really um when that's an older car i don't know exactly what year it is but from what just based off of comments i think uh, timmy snyder commented on, on facebook one time that the um, that was one of his old cars um, that Sean got. Yeah. Um, right before the last classic that Sean and his father ran, they actually brought it out to Oxby's um, 
Hawks be cut everything off from the back of the roll cage back and the front of the roll cage forward. Oh, and placed everything. Oh, so okay. that car, in, in my eyes, is as new as any of them. Um, you know, Interesting. When Hawksby, it's not like it gets half done. You know, he's right. he's the best in the business when it comes to super modified racing and um, and the building and the fabrication and, and safety that he puts into his cars. So um, he put on all the independent front suspension, um, the rear end. Him and his Sean and his father sent out, and they just got it completely refreshed by winners. Uh, doesn't even have any laps on it, all new ring and pinion in it, so the rear end's all gone through. Um, Sean wrecked, got in an accident in a classic. I don't remember exactly what happened, but uh, they put the whole car back together. Um, so most of the front end's new. They didn't get all the parts for the right front, but um, but um, Hawksby's helping us out with that stuff, building the parts that we need. And, and uh, you know, he's going to build us the tail section and build us a couple front wings for it so we have a spare front wing and, and have his new design and everything on it. So... Basically, the car is as ideal as one could want a big block to be. Wow! You know, if I was if I was getting into it, there's there's nothing old, outdated. Uh, the car is just super clean. You know, Sean's dad and Sean and and uh, you know whoever else their crew. Uh, they were they were very picky about everything that was on this car. It's just a very super clean car. So, um, you know, we got a very good deal and. Bought a good piece, and and that's what you know. We've talked about big block racing for years, and and I always have, you know, when it was just me and, and my father and Carly doing our racing and stuff, and and ultimately at the end of the day, they're they're just expensive, expensive race cars. And, yep, uh, for sure. You know, if you're gonna go out and, and want to be able to race, you know, there's no point of buying, you know, a mediocre car. It's not in my blood to go out and be a field filler. Right. Or no, I can't run any better than tenth place or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I'm fe- I feel like we're doing it pretty. Um, pretty good at the same time at a, at a, you know, having a budget set for it at the same time, you know, we're not killing ourselves financially to be able to do all this, but, but we're getting ourselves a, a good piece to be able to go race and, and be competitive every week. It's pretty, pretty amazing to think about, right? I mean, you, would you, even a year ago, would you have believed that, I, that you'd be in this situation? I mean, I, that's, uh, I, I haven't, you know, it was kind of one of those things where, uh, when we first posted the, the car, um, it kind of dated back to, you know, uh, the opportunity to, I remember being super young and, and going over to Jeff Hallberg's race shop and Def, Jeff Hallberg and Davey Tritech and Bobby Magner, they were all running their um, blue chassis with the red bodies and uh, the blue star rice right. was one of their big sponsors. And uh, my father and my mother were always on the crew and spent a lot of nights over there during the week and stuff. And my father would bring me over there quite often, nothing more than to, stand around, hang out with the guys and, and, you know, ask questions, probably bug them. You know, I was always sure. up the rear end when they were trying to get stuff done, ask questions and everything else. You know? So, um, you know, to be able to have the opportunity to kind of get into a big block and, and actually race one is, I guess, everybody's uh, dream, I guess, you know what I mean? That's for the sure. ultimate goal when you start racing that is we go and start doing asphalt racing um, for a lot of us. And for a lot of people, it's never going to happen because of the financial or many drivers out there that, you know, deserve the opportunity uh, as far as their wheeling status goes, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, it's just a matter of the ones uh, like myself that, you know, we bust our tails every day, every, there's no off time. There's no shut off switch, you know, a couple of weeks during hunting season is the shut off switch and that's about it. Then everything else is even not knowing what schedules are going to be and races are going to be. We're still full go on, on everything that we're doing, you know, so, um, if it wasn't for Rich, you know, I, we couldn't have done it as well as we're doing it. Um, financially, him and I are doing everything 50-50, which 
makes it easier on both sides of the spectrum. You sure. know what I mean? To, to be able to afford to do it as well as we are. And, um, it's a blessing to be able to do it, you know? Well, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the, um, 350 side of things. So it, it looked, you know, obviously the, the big blocks, uh, the car counts there have been, you know, healthy enough. Um, and, and SBS, we could see all summer long last year, you, it was obvious that the SBS division, the limited division was going to be a huge revival for, um, 2021 and it appears that's only gaining strength as opposed to uh you know to going the other way so that's a good thing um i think what we were all hoping for was we would get a healthy field of new 350s to come in for 2021 to boost that up to 12 14 you know cars or or more uh a week and it it seems like that's, you know, I think that part of it has sort of happened more quietly. I don't know if there's been as much conversation about it, but, um, I mean, now you're talking about maybe getting rid of um, a 350 that obviously someone else then would have who could join the field um, so you don't obviously lose the car and you get another new driver out of it. Um, you know, talk about what you see with both the SBS and the 350 side of things because it seems like uh, there are going to be a whole lot of race cars in both uh, fields ready to go in 2021 whenever we can open the gates and race yeah yeah the um so the limited division super small lock super whatever um they are uh that class is is booming and and the good thing biggest thing that i was worried about when the whole 350 division came about was a lot of the guys from the limited division would step up to the 350 division to be able to run a super and that the, the limited division would starve because of that. Right. Um, not many guys have, there's definitely, you know, I have for the most part, uh, Cameron's going to be running both still. Um, Barbo ended up selling his limited to one of the Stevens yes. um, family. Um, so they have a 350. So, you know, they're losing him. Um, there's a couple of them, I guess, but but there's uh, far more new young blood that's come in um, buying lemonades. My brother, the Stevens, are going to have two kids out there now. Um, I'm completely drawing a blank, but there's Noah uh, Ratcliffe. He's yep. going to be, you know, there's there's five, six, seven yeah, SBS seven. cars yeah. that that I weren't out there that are going to be out there yeah. this year. Uh, yeah, and you know they proved it because they were they had enough cars all summer long at Fast Fridays that they could have ran a feature. That was yeah. car comparable to what we had the year before. Sure, you know, so so that's super exciting for the SBS class because it's it's that's where we all started. That's our you know we have love and passion for that division. We want to see that thrive also. So, um, so that's exciting. But um, the see, biggest I... thing with the 350s that I've seen is a lot of outsiders have came in, um, which is great because that's what we needed to be able to build a third class. That's what right. sort of Speedway needed to build a third class was having bringing in people that don't own cars that aren't taking from another class For to sure. give to the three fifties. And, um, I don't know as many people, but I know there's a lot of people that are building three fifties and people that are still talking about it. So like you said, it has kind of flown underneath the radar, yeah. but, um, I'm pretty confident that come, um, opening day, you might not see them every week, but come, you know, opening day or a week during the summer or whatever may, may have it. Uh, you're going to see a pretty healthy field of three fifties or modifieds. Uh, race in Oswego. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, and I think the biggest thing, it, 
that has sort of you mentioned SBS guys not really moving up to the 350. I think the crate engine is what's really prevented that. I think that's the the you've got three sort of distinct classes now and three distinct budget points if you will or cost whatever to to race i mean it's it's there's the the sbs class clearly has benefited in my opinion from the crate engine and that's brought in a lot of new interest into that class and at the same time the 350 division um there have been a few of you that have moved up but again um you're getting some folks who really just want to run a super they don't care necessarily about running the sbs class they want to run a super who can't afford to do a big block and so again it it feels to me like we now have three very sort of distinct and different um situations in each class and and so in the end the way that it was done i don't think it's hurt any of the classes i think it's helped all three yeah absolutely i don't uh there's a lot of skeptical stuff here and there. Everybody had their opinion on it when it first was, was getting talked about and everything, but um, I haven't seen any bit of, uh, I've always been one to speak my mind <laughs> sure. and um, I haven't seen a bit of, of uh, negativity with bringing in the 350 class. I haven't seen a bit of negativity no. with bringing in the crate engines for either of the classes. Um, you know, the limiteds, obviously they, they hurt there for a while because uh, it, it's an expensive you know, switch over to be sure. able to just oh, yeah. drop your small blocks yep. and, and go purchase a crate engine and, and, uh, you know, whatever, you can get a crate engine for four grand or 3,500, whatever it may be, $3,800, but that's not bolting in your car to go right. racing. You know, it was, it was a good chunk of money that, that a lot of teams had to, to come up with either, whether it was, you know, selling, not everybody sees it. You know, it's a lot of these teams aren't just, um, ourselves included, are you know, not just, going to work for two more weeks than I, let's go buy an $8,000 engine. That's, you know, that's not how it works. It's a matter of hustling and working overtime and selling this or selling that, you know, just to be able to uh, provide those engines to be able to go racing. So the transition from, from one engine to the other engine definitely hurt the class for the time being, but the ultimate outcome or the, the end goal of it is, is, um, is exceeding the, the, Correct way to do it, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Well, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it it, it certainly, the class went through a year, I think, of, of transition. And now, as we see, it's already storming back. I mean, it's not as if we're getting a trickle. You know, there's there's a flood of of new rookies in that division, including Robbie. And, and uh, you know, I think it's going to be a, a great division to watch again in 2021. And, and you know, we I think everybody that, you know, the, the biggest fear with when you when you do a, a crate or any type of spec motor really is, you know, you got to tech, you got to tech it, you got to keep people honest, um, you know, and so. You know that it seems like everything's worked out nicely, and um, again, I, I feel like all three divisions are really poised for a nice year. Um, you know, next year when whenever we can get things underway. Yeah, no, I'm ex- we're pretty excited for it. Like, I mean, obviously, it's. Um, I think Rich Rich gets bored sometimes when we don't have something to work on in the shop. <laughs> he just goes and buys something buy else. Yeah. He, he just gets bored sitting around. <laughs> well, that one's done. Let's go it. get another one. <laughs> he, he, call, he called me the other day. He says, hey, he's like, what are we doing? And I'm like, uh, 
what do you what do you mean what are we doing he's like well what's what's going on are we what do we got going on we've got something to do you know and i'm just like rich hunting seasons <laughs> i got like one more week of hunting season i said that'll dive back into it pretty hard i said give me a few days it's like all right he's like my head's just spinning listen and he starts going with these <laughs> ideas and he's just always he's always wanting to do something excited for the next phase you know and, and uh and that's that's exciting to me it's, oh it is it's uh that's exciting to me there's you know sometimes you gotta uh you know slow them down and talking about buying a racetrack you know slow it down a little bit type thing you know but <laughs> yeah, um I don't, I don't you know let's he's... get let's get what we got on our plate you know to be a prime rib dinner and then uh then we'll roll the next yeah, one i was so. gonna say take your family out to dinner Put, yeah. close the shop take your family out to dinner that's it take yeah. a breather so yeah it's the, the thing is like <laughs> both them 350 cars are pretty mint pieces of yeah. equipment i mean there's not he spared no expense um you know when he put those cars together uh, the engines are both brand new the the carburetors are best of the best um the bolt-ons are as lightweight and and clean and and fresh and i mean just everything about it um you know he doesn't he doesn't say no to much when it comes to um, wanting to better his equipment you know and that's what um, anybody that's a driver, whether it's me, Cameron, or my brother, or anybody else, you never, you can never decline on your equipment. Right. <laughs> you know, it's For having sure. the best of the best, especially it's um, racing out a star all summer long was one of the best things for me as a driver because there, um, a lot of people weren't doing any racing. I've been talking with Todd Stoll a lot since we got this big block. Okay. And, um, and like he said, he's like, you and Otto, he's like, you guys did the most racing all summer long. Everybody else has been sitting around doing absolutely nothing right. maybe some eye racing and uh and we were out there getting the the full experience all summer long you know we have that upper edge of of keeping sharp and and staying on it and uh the guys out to new england are they they know they're 350 racing yes they do <laughs> they're, they're some of the best around and um i think it was mr wickham i could be wrong by the name but i'm pretty sure it was, i met so many people out there i can't ever i'm terrible with names but i think it was mr <laughs> wickham he came over and and uh, he told me, he said, I'll tell you what, he's like, when you go back racing in Oswego, I'm racing here all summer. He's like, you'll be 10 times better just because you're out here racing the short track, some of the best 350 drivers out there. And, and that's something that I'll never argue with that guy because I think he's 100% white, right? I, I grew as a ton as a driver and, and my knowledge and background into super modifieds and 350s. And, uh, and it was a pretty exciting summer being able to race out there all summer. Well, I'm sure it was. And, I mean, you're right. Those guys, you know, I mean, and it shows when the guys from New England come to Oswego, you know, your your Jeffrey Battles and, and guys like that, uh, you know, they, they're fast. I mean, there's just not even, um, you know, there's not even a question about it. So, um, you know, I think that um, I, I think that y- you guys will have a leg up. And even, you know, you, you've got a couple of new teams um, that, you know, that also went out there and and um, and had a chance to do a race or two. And I think anybody that did that is is going to be a little farther ahead, um, you know, for next year at Oswego because you guys, you know, you've had some race time on the cars instead of just the uh, open tests. You there? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yep. <laughs> lost you there for a second. Sorry, got quiet. I wasn't that, sure if I lost right. you or not. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we definitely, uh, definitely appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk with you. And I know you've got to be really, really excited. I'm curious. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I mean, it seemed like Robbie, uh, 
came along nicely in the in in the SBS car. What do you think his future is in twenty one? Um, we've been tossing around the idea of um, putting the SBS on the back burner and having him run the other three fifty, the one that I bought off um, Craig Soper. Um, oh wow! We we threw tossed that around a little bit and. Uh, contemplators toss them right into that but ultimately um, like i said in the beginning you know it's um, carly and i put a ton of of uh, money into that car to get it back um to race ready conditions a lot of new parts on it um dan denny and myself and and uh, chief my father and my brother a ton of hours into it to get it back to where we wanted it so um we're going to kind of slow the roll on that, hold them into the limited division for a year. Um, if the 350 doesn't buy sell, you know, chance sell, then, uh, you know, we have that opportunity to throw them in that for a couple of shows or something. But um, ultimately he's going to race that. And, and I'm pretty confident he got, um, he got some seat time, not as much as maybe we wanted to. We spent a lot of time racing out of town and it kind of right. uh, limited how much fast Friday we could take advantage of um, with my brother. But uh but we got a good piece for him. Um, we got the engine pulled out of it and, and winterized. Um, we're going to update the engine. The engine that we had was a used one, and uh, I think it lacked a little bit. Um, it would have been good to get him in and get him started, everything like that. But uh, the competition that, that he's going against, especially for the rookie of the year contenders and, and stuff like that, it's not it wasn't the best piece that I could have put under the hood for him. So, um, so we're going to buy him a new engine this off season because I want him to be able to go out and, and have everything and some, you know, between sure. uh, good equipment and then, you know, our knowledge and background and having Dan Denny in our corner, you know, for setup stuff. And of course, um, Bobby Magner has been coming around. He's helped me out a lot with the 350. And oh, nice. back when, when Matt Magner was driving our other car for Carly, um, Bobby and I worked together so great. It was 2014. We won a bunch of races. I mean, him and I were, were like glue as far as setting up race cars and, and drivability. He really understood. So um, he's been coming back around, getting the itch to help out with some race cars and stuff, which is uh, super exciting for me, um, you know, to have that opportunity to work with Bobby again. So between him and Dan Denny, there's no reason why uh, none of our race cars could could be some of the best ones out there. Oh, for sure. Well, it's uh, certainly going to be an exciting 2021 season, but uh, we have to get through the holiday season first. Uh, And so, uh, well, you know, obviously I wish you and and your family and and really everybody connected uh, with the the giant organization that uh, Rich has built there. Wish all of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and look forward to uh, 2021 and seeing what is in store for all of you once uh, we can get cars back on the track and actually throw a racing green flag? That's it. We appreciate it, and happy holidays to you guys, too. That is Mike Bruce, and uh, we're going to step aside. We'll be back with more of The Groove right after this. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. Strike two. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at Values.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove. This would be... uh... 
a continuation of, uh, of episode 66 here and our second special guest of this week's show. And that is Kyle Perry. And I'm really excited to have Kyle on the show. Um, you know, I, I remember his father, Dennis, uh, about as far back as uh, I can remember uh, being at the racetrack. It seems like anyway that uh, Dennis was there with with Eddie Bellinger. And um, I love the fact that uh, Kyle Perry coming into a 350 Super that is going to be not only uh, is a replica paint job of the uh, Bellinger 02, but actually is an old Bellinger 02. And uh, uh, Kyle, uh, I don't think we've actually spoken since you were back in the quarter midgets and uh, being able to see you come up through the quarter midgets and then through the dirt cars um, and into the 350 Supers now for 2021 is going to be awesome. Um First of all, I want to know what is is there a, is there an is there a, a memory that stands out as being? Do you remember the very first time um, that you were at the Oswego Speedway at all, or you know, is there a memory from early on that sort of stands out for you? There's not really, you know, a, a specific um, first memory of being at the track. You know, it's just something that's always been been part of my life. You know, whether it be watching my uncle Hala Tulip or, or watching, you know, Brandon and cheering those guys on. Um, really, just the first thing I remember is just, you know, being in the being in the stands every Saturday night. Well, um, and again, I now I didn't realize that actually that uh, Hal was your uncle. That's pretty interesting, honestly. Um, talk a little bit about. Um, what you kind of, as you recall, your early, were you a Bellinger fan or a Latulip fan or, or I guess kind of maybe a little bit of both, right? Yeah, definitely a little bit of both. Um, you know, the Bellingers, they're, they're like a second family to us, you know, we're really close with them. And obviously, you know, my uncle Hal, he was probably the first racing hero I ever had. So it was pretty cool to watch, you know, two people I was really close with, uh, run around the Swiggo Speedway. Hal is uh, as nice a guy as you're ever going to meet in the sport, and uh, it's pretty awesome to uh, to see him continuing to go out there and give his best every week. At uh, at all racing divisions need Hal Latulips. Uh, they they are are uh, the guys to me that add the real color to uh, to to any type of uh, racing. But um, all right, so um, obviously your dad's been involved a while. Your uncle's been involved a while. Um, and there's a moment, of course, I guess, when, uh, Kyle decides, Hey dad, I want to try racing. Or was it kind of, uh, Hey Kyle, do you want to try racing? How did that, how did that start out for you? Uh, I remember, you know, when I was about four years old, going up to the quarter midget track with my dad on, on Sundays. And, um, you know, I, I was just something that as soon as I, I saw the kids racing, you know, I said, Hey dad, you know, I mean, this is something that I definitely want to do. And so we just got, um, you know, a cheap car to start. And then I just, I just fell in love with racing and the rest is history. Tell us about your quarter midget career a little bit. Yeah. So the quarter midgets were the first thing uh, I ever drove. You know, I ran those from when I was five to, I was about 14. Yep. And, um, we started off at the local level, you know, my first few years. And then when I was about, um, 13 or 14, we started traveling and we ran the USAC national series. Oh, okay. So we traveled around all over the place. Um, running those races you know i actually ran a lot of against a lot of guys that are uh, in the truck series now like todd gilliland carson hosevar uh tyler anchor and we ran against all those oh, no guys kidding. so it was pretty uh tough competition but it was a it was a lot of fun 
Tyler is uh, Tyler Ankrum is a former uh, client of mine, and and uh, just to me one of the 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 classiest young racers in the truck series right now. Um, and uh, I really enjoy working with Tyler, and he is extremely talented. Um, so that's awesome to be able to say that you race with some of those guys, um, and now you're actually watching them on TV, which is pretty cool. Um, did I mean? I guess every every kid would have the desire to be one of those guys. Was was it kind of that way for you, and you just didn't have the money, or did you really stay focused on the local stuff and say I'd rather go race the super modified someday or something? Yeah, well, it's always been uh, you know my dream to race at Oswego Speedway, um, and you know obviously you know it would be awesome to to go have you know the funds and the sponsorship that those guys have, but sure. You know, realistically, we just had to focus on, you know, what we could do, and, and that was eventually, you know, getting to Oswego Speedway. Okay, so you went from quarter midgets to the dirt. Talk a little bit about the transition. Talk about what you did um, and and what that was like for you, because obviously uh, – that's a real different, you know, I, like Camden, for example, Proud went from straight from quarters to a, you know, an SBS car. But I think going to the sportsman is even a bigger adjustment because you're going to dirt and, you know, there's just so much more race car there. Yeah. So um, we did run one year of the go-karts at the Cartway. Oh, okay. Um, we ran one full year there. We won the championship. And then that's when we decided oh, wow. to, to get the sportsman. And, um, you know, it's all kind of really relevant. Um, the biggest thing I had to get used to with the sportsman was, you know, the feeling like you were falling out of the car. Those things have so much body roll, you know, compared to the the quarter midgets where you're nice and smooth on the wheel. I mean, the, the sportsman, you really got to manhandle those things. Okay. So that was really, you know, the biggest difference for me. But, um, you know, eventually we, we had a lot of people on our side. Luckily, um, my dad and I, when we were first going to get a sportsman, we went up to Pat Ward's shop oh, and, wow. um, because we were looking at one of their cars and, and Pat kind of took us underneath our wing and, and we still travel around and help Pat and stuff. But um, Pat's been a huge kind of mentor to me and um, he definitely taught me everything I, I know about driving on dirt. There's another one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in the sport right there. Pat Ward is uh, as good as it gets. Um, and what a, what a teacher. Now, um, talk about your your time in the in the sportsman car um you know how to wins championships races that that have kind of stood out to you um give us kind of a synopsis of all, all of that yes yeah, so we've got four wins in the sportsman um a bunch of top fives a bunch of top tens the biggest thing that we really um you know probably didn't win as many races as we should have in the sportsman but uh, we definitely had, you know, a lot of consistency, yeah. um, you know, and we weren't involved in a lot of wrecks, you know, us, for us every week, uh, you know, if we could roll the car on the trailer and, you know, finish on the lead lap, not, you know, have to fix anything for the next week, that was like a win for us and anything, you know, a top five, top 10, anything like that was just icing on the cake. So what, what made you decide that now was the time to uh, get into the 350 class? So um, this a couple years ago, my dad and I went down to um, we were down at Bellinger's Garage talking to Eddie and Brandon, and we saw you know the old car, uh, the car that we have now sitting in the corner. Yeah. And my dad said to Eddie, you know, hey, what would it take to to put a cage on that car? This is when they were just um, 
you know, beginning to talk about the, the 350 class and stuff. Oh, okay. And then he goes, I don't know. I mean, if you want it, just go ahead, bring it up to your shop, and, and you can do whatever with it. And then it just kind of sat at our shop for about a year or so. And then, um, you know, once the 350 class really started to take off, we, we started to, to plug away on at it. But uh, Eddie's been a – without Eddie, I mean, we wouldn't we wouldn't be doing this deal right now. So, I mean, I got to give all the thanks to him because he's really the one that kind of set this thing in motion. He's certainly uh, – I mean, gosh, I I think about the first families of Oswego Speedway, and I talk about this a lot on the show – you know, you, you, you look at the Joyas and the Bellingers and, and, you know, of course, later the Muldoons and you had the Jarretts and, you know, the, the Graves and, um, gosh, I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving out 20, the Champagnes eventually with Keith. Um, you know, you, you certainly the Bellinger family, Eddie's dad, then Eddie and now Brandon, um, you know, that they're just a part of the, the, the almost a part of the foundation of the Oswego Speedway, um, so that's awesome that you get to work with him. Um, how much have you had to do with the car? Because if if I remember correctly, um, and I may be wrong, but I was thinking, is the car that you have the one that that Jared actually had the bad wreck with a number of years back? Yeah. So uh, when we got the car, the cage was cut off of it. Okay. And, you know there there were a couple of of frame rails that were bent, so um, Eddie helped us you know bend up all the tubing and um, Dalton Doyle uh, welded most of the the cage on okay um, for us, and uh, so yeah so when we got it you know it was it didn't have the cage on it. Okay, so you've had to do a little bit of work just to uh, kind of refurbish it, um, but how much have you actually changed it from the way it was before? to uh run the 350 because i know a lot of people have told me that um in order to convert an older super to a 350 i mean there's a little more to the to the task than you know people would think it's not just kind of drop the motor in and put some tires on and go yeah we had to raise the uh the motor mounts up a little bit and we had to mess around with uh with the spacing you know to get out to the correct spacing that we need to be at with um you know the, the 10 inch wheels so it was definitely a challenge, and it was definitely a lot of work. You know, it's not like the, the sportsman where you can go out and, and buy parts from Bicknell and, and bolt them right on. I mean, you got to fabricate everything. Right. But luckily, you know, uh, my dad helped us a lot with that. You know, he's he's been doing it a long time, and he had a great teacher in Eddie, so he knows what he's doing. So what was it like the first time that you finally hit the Fast 5.8s? Oh, it's awesome. Um, you know, it was it was a little different than I thought it would be. You know, the the top wing definitely kind of acts like a like a parachute going down the straightaway. But I was just amazed at how much speed these three fifties carry through the corner. I can imagine. Yeah, I mean that it would be probably astronomical compared to your sportsman, right? Yeah, yeah, they were um, definitely carrying a lot more speed through the corner than you are on dirt. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Now, um you you obviously had a chance, uh, I think you had a couple chances, didn't you, to get on the track this year? Yeah, we went twice and yeah. went down in practice. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um and and I mean, were you happy with kind of where you ended up from a speed standpoint? Yeah, you know, we we didn't go down there to try and, you know, set any track records or anything like that. You know, the big thing we had in mind was was just getting comfortable. Um I mean, we're we're really happy for the first 
for the first time out. Um, you know, we thought the car, it handled really good. You know, it, it was pretty stable. It wasn't, you know, doing anything crazy. Um, you know, and we, we had a couple of respectable uh, sessions. You know, we were, I think we got down to 17, 8 both times yeah. we were there. But, um, you know, there's still a lot more in it, I feel like. And, you know, I still have a lot to learn. I probably have maybe 100 laps there. So I think there's, you know, room for improvement. And I'm excited for, for next year to see what we can do. How long did it take you the first time out before you kind of went, you know, you, I I think you kind of go through that phase, oh, my God, I'm on the track at Oswego. Like, how long did it take you before you just kind of were able to just focus and run laps? Yeah, you know, it was definitely um, awesome the first couple laps, you know, just to be out there. It was the first time I've ever been on the track before. So, I mean, just, um, you know, take a few slow laps, kind of see what the car is going to do. You know, I didn't want to go out there and step on it and have, you know, the car do something um, crazy. You know, yeah. it hasn't been on the track for a while. So, but it was pretty cool. You know, my first couple laps, I was definitely kind of in awe, you know, just, just being on a Swiggo Speedway. Did you catch yourself just kind of looking around a little bit the first few laps? Like, oh, there's that, you know, there's this or there's that. Like, you 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 see it from the grandstand, but then when you get on the track, it's a different, obviously a different view, right? So did you catch yourself kind of just glancing around a little bit um, and, and trying to take everything in? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's definitely a different perspective than than being in the stands yeah. or, or being in the pits every week. But um, it was awesome. You know, I, I can't wait to do it again. I bet. Yeah, I mean, it's a great opportunity for you, and I think the the 350 class, really, that's when when they announced it, that's why I was so excited, because I feel like, you know, there's, um, the way that they've got it now, there's three distinct classes, and, um, and I think they all serve a specific purpose, and yet, kind of work together to form a potential stepladder at the same time, which is great, um, but I think, you know, for, for the experience you had in the sportsman, you coming into the 350 class, other than obviously adjusting to the speed, which is relative, you really probably should have felt fairly comfortable pretty quickly, I would think, right? Yeah, we got up to speed pretty quickly. I mean, by the second or, or third session out, we were running, you know, high 17 yeah. nines, low 18 zeros. Um, like I said, you know, it's still still a matter of just seat time. Seat time is everything. Um, there's still, like we said, we didn't go down there, you know, to set any speed records. There's still, uh, you know, some changes we're going to make on the car this winter, try and, uh, you know, find that extra speed and, and get more comfortable. Who have you got helping you out for uh, next year? Who's going to be the pit crew for you? Um, My dad, uh, my mom, you know, she's always there for the moral support. Sure. Um, And, you know, the, the Bellinger boys, you know, uh, Jared, Brandon, and, and Trevor along with Eddie. Awesome. Well, I know you're uh, you're going to have a great season, um, and uh, I I really feel like you're an intelligent enough young man that um, I think you're going to be a very calculating racer. And I I think the uh, the 350 class needs that type of racer, and and uh, I feel like there's going to be a pretty healthy field of them to start the season too, which is great. Now I know off the track. Uh, you just graduated from SUNY Oswego with, uh, um, what would your degree specifically be? Is it a technical education degree? Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. Technology education. Yeah. Some of these school districts now don't even do shop anymore in high school, which I think is awful. But, um, 
are you looking to kind of stay close? I imagine you would be, right? If you're going to race, you'd want to try to work for a district somewhere in the greater central New York area, I would guess. Yeah, definitely. I want to stay around here to start. Um, I also have, I got my minor in athletic coaching. Oh. So I want to, I want to coach high school basketball too. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, that'll be interesting. Um, it's kind of a, you know, obviously we've had a rough year and a rough, it's a bit of a rough time to be a teacher in some ways, but um, hopefully you'll catch on soon. What's been your, your motorsports highlight up to this date? Um, That'd be a tough one. I mean, I'm just so, you know, grateful every time I hit the track, you know, to be out there and doing this, Um, you know, because there's a lot of people that would, you know, kill with the chance to do it that, that can't. So I'm just really thankful every time I hit the track but probably you know one of my one of my biggest highlights is probably my first win at at Fulton in the sportsman I mean that's when I realized you know hey this this is pretty cool you know how many people can say that they've won at Fulton Speedway yeah really well that's uh you know Speedway with so much history too I think most people your age have only known it as a dirt track but you know, I remember when it was paved and, and uh, remember your dad and all the other guys racing there in the 70s with the Supers. And, and uh, of course, Modifieds used to race there all the time, and I got to see a bunch of that. Um, so, yeah, that's a speedway with some real history. So uh, to be able to go get a win there is pretty cool. Um, and, and I know that you're you're going to be looking forward to trying to get to Victory Lane in the 350 Super. Do you have any sponsors that are going to be uh, working with you for next year yet? Yes, yeah, so we have uh, Bellinger Auto on the car. Okay. Um, you know, and Finish Line Designs, Bobby Sweeney did, a, did an awesome job um, on our graphics. You know, I think we're probably yeah. gonna have one of the sharpest looking 350 cars up there. Um, you can't you can't go wrong with the with the yellow and the the black and red flames. So I'm excited to, for the fans to see that. Now Eddie's car has always looked gorgeous. I used to love the yellow O twos. I mean, I when when he went to the Miller Gold, it was like that car's beautiful too. But I just miss, you know. I think my favorite Eddie car was actually the very first offset that he built in 1980, and um, I don't even remember if he had any flames on that one. To be honest, I I, I I'm trying to picture him in my mind, but it was just such a clean looking race car and the body that was on it, the shape of the body. I mean, it was just a gorgeous car. Um, and I think it took him about three or four weeks to win. And that was about it. Uh, and, um, but he, he really, de- the, the cars he had in the, in the, the, the paint schemes were, were awesome. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're getting a chance to do this, Kyle. And I know um, you don't have much history yet to talk about it. As we're hoping to make some next year. Um, if some people will be nice to us and let us actually have races. Um, but uh, we, we look forward to catch it up with you again and glad to be able to at least sit down and give you a chance to let us all know what's going on and who's going to be with you and all of that. Um, want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and look forward to talking to you sometime in 2021. All right. Thank you very much, Tom. That is Kyle Perry, and you will be seeing Kyle in the 350 class when next the Oswego Speedway opens for racing, hopefully uh, in May of 2021. And uh, with that, we're going to step aside and be back to close this thing up here in just a little bit. Stick around. You've seen the paintings. The Thanksgiving turkey being served at Grandma's. 
The weathered farmer sending his baby-faced son off to college. Now be sure and write. The wise police officer sitting at the soda bar, talking a young boy out of running away from home. Where are you going, son? Norman Rockwell didn't create the best in us. He just inspired the best. Inspiration. Pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Welcome back to The Groove, episode 66. Yes, I know, we'll get to that. Uh, we like to have fun with the episode number. We'll get to that in a minute. Right now, though, we've got uh, Camden Proud with us, and uh, we've we've talked to Cam a time or two from Norway. Uh, we'll probably be doing that again early next year when he goes back over there. But uh, for right now, buddy, you're back on uh, American soil, back in the big O, and uh ready to enjoy the holidays with your family and friends there as much as uh, can be uh, possible. So um want to talk to you. Of course, uh, you know, this, uh, this whole sort of news cycle thing continues, and uh, we got a nice little early Christmas present with an Oswego Speedway schedule that, frankly, had some components to it that I surely wasn't expecting. Um, so I just kind of want to go through this um, piece by piece with you and talk about some of the new wrinkles. We've discussed the two classics, Cam, but um, two NASCAR wheeling modified tour events. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I wasn't either. Uh, we were really excited about that, obviously. And um, it's, it's a really good opportunity for the modified fans in, in New York state in 2021, having, two events at Oswego and also one at Lancaster. There's several at Riverhead down on Long Island. So a lot of New York dates and it's, it's really exciting to have two shows at Oswego. It's the first time since 1989 we've had them at Oswego more than once in a season. So that's definitely something to look forward to. Yeah. uh, It's kind of funny because uh, I, I've joked in the recent past with people that it, it's kind of a Connecticut State Series because between Stafford and Thompson is usually almost half the dates. And um, now it's almost like it's an Empire State Series because Thompson's off the schedule. And so it's almost as if a lot of that attention shifted to New York State. And like you said, you've got two of the Swiggo. Lancaster's got one, which I think is awesome. And then, you know, they always have a couple of Riverheads. So, um, you know, it's uh, there. There's there ends up being five or six races in New York State out of the schedule. So um, it's that's really interesting. Um, and the first one being kind of in the middle of the the I guess the early part of the summer um, puts it I think in a nice position where it it almost ends up being like two different races because um, you know obviously uh, at that point in the schedule. Um, you know, in in the early part of June, the championship chase is pretty well underway. But when we get to Labor Day weekend, the championship chase is much closer to being decided. So it's it's almost um, a different situation for those drivers, and it gives them two chances. And I know that um, the more I talk to these tour drivers, and I just did an interview with Justin Monsignor not long ago, they just love a swiggo. So this is really kind of a neat opportunity um, you know, to, to be paired with uh, the Super Modifieds in, in a kind of midsummer doubleheader, the likes of which we used to see all the time, three or four of these during the year. But, um, you know, we haven't in a while, so that's going to be kind of fun. 
It will be for sure, and that's that's right. The pairing with the super modifieds. I know that uh, once word got out over the weekend that we were going to have two modified shows, everybody was really hoping that the Oswego Supers would be paired. So I'm I'm thrilled about that, and I think it's a nice opportunity for the Oswego Super Modifieds to kind of be showcased to a, a different fan base, so to speak. Some of the modified yes. fans come up. Um, you know, normally we have or have had the Isma Supers on Classic Saturday, but Obviously, that's not the case anymore, so it's nice to pair with the the traditional Oswego Super. I think that's pretty cool. Okay, so um, with that being discussed, let's go back and uh, let's just kind of start at uh, the beginning and walk through the schedule. Um, the First of all, ag- again, we should note this is the 70th Oswego Speedway season, which just blows my mind. Um it makes me feel really old to realize that I've, you know, been going to the Oswego Speedway for about 50, relatively, 48, 50 of those seasons, at least, you know, once or twice a year. Um, and uh, it's just that number 70 is a big number up there at the top. <laughs> um, so uh, Saturday, May the 8th, you've got uh, Supers, SBS, and um, 350s and um, 50, 30, 25 lap events. Um, that will be one week after the open practice takes place. Now, you had said something about the potential for multiple um, open practices before the opener on the 8th. What can you tell us in terms of Fast Fridays or, you know, special test days or whatever? What is the uh, the plan, as much as you know it, um, for that sort of thing um, prior to the May 8th opener? Uh, I think that they're going to open up right from the week of open practice, even prior to the first open practice for uh, track rentals, uh, okay. past Friday-style $200 a car uh, with a minimum of five cars. And the opening week, we'll, we'll open up every night for, for testing. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that want to take advantage of track time especially with a classic coming up in a couple of weeks. So they'll be open Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The, the <laughs> opening week. So they'll be, uh, the, the neighbors aren't going to be too thrilled about it, but it, it'll be nice to have cars <laughs> on the track for a week straight. Who cares? They knew there was a track there when they moved. Um, so uh, I, I have, I've, I, look, I, I have empathy. I have no sympathy. <laughs> um, but anyways, so that's cool. And, and that, you know, it's kind of funny when you look at this, because the way that this, May schedule sets up, it does feel a lot like it's going to be almost a, a, a pre-classic atmosphere from the start because every practice is sort of that focus. You've got two races, the 8th and the 15th, that are basically regular shows, if it, it, as much as you can call that, call them that. And But but in between, a lot of time to get on the, the track for practice and all of the, the sort of track rental and testing, it it may is going to feel like August until the, the classic on, um, you know, at the, at the end of May classic 64, uh, on the 27th, you know, that I feel like May is going to feel like August to the racers and the teams and, and, you know, everybody associated because, um, everything that would typically go on in August is going on in May. And then after the classic, at the end of May, you kind of get back into what would be sort of the regular season, so to speak, 
but it only lasts a couple of months and you're right back into pre-classic mode again for the next classic. It's just a very um, unique and and uh, it's going to probably be a very strange feeling for the month of May this year. It's almost, um, I think it's going to be almost as sort of intense and, and exciting and energetic as, say, the month of May used to be at Indy. Yeah, exactly, and that's kind of where we're going with it is is the the place to be in in May 2021. Yeah, I know I've mentioned that before, um, but it is going to be an interesting feeling. And I think the first couple of weeks, we know what happens at the end of August when Classic is coming up. We have some Isma guys. Yeah, um, different competitors show up to shake their cars down for Classic. So I'll be very interested to see what the car counts look like the first couple of weeks and and all of the divisions and especially. The supers. I know that there's going to be quite a few out of town teams that want to come in and and shake their stuff down before the classic. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's just very very interesting. I mean, I look at this schedule and just um, just kind of gawk at it. It's like, wow, this is th- this is um, this is almost like starting with your encore and then doing another encore later. You know, in the concert, it's it's really. Um, it's really pretty incredible. Now, the, the the no racing on the 22nd, obviously the week off prior to the, the, the first Classic, Classic 64. And then you've got a practice on Thursday that week from um, 5, five to, to 9. Nine. Yep. And then on Friday of Classic 64 weekend, this is Memorial Day weekend. If you want, uh, We'll just kind of talk about it in that way for, for now. Uh, Memorial Day weekend Classic, Friday, May 28th. Um, New York Super Stocks 50 lap program um and the Compact Touring Series um now this says New York State Compact Touring Series so this is a different group than the Midwest Compact Touring Series though it's the same type of car what can you tell yes. us about uh, the New York State Compact Touring Series uh this is a new group i talked to Chuck about this the other day because i admittedly didn't know anything about it myself and I'm going to be getting in touch with them, and I think they're going to kind of release the details and information on that. So we'll have to wait and see what they would like to put out there at this point with that. But it is a new group, and it's it's sport compact four-cylinder cars, right. mini-stock type cars like the Midwest Compact Series. I'll tell you what, they're growing. We've got, we've got one here um, that actually uh, a couple of them tested, believe it or not, at Rockingham yesterday. Wow. Yes, they're going to run with the cars tour cars tour in yeah. march at rockingham um and yes for those of you listening the mile track uh they're running a late model race in march um it's going to open the cars tour season so if you're a bone stock cars tour rookie and you've never run with a cars tour before your first race is at rockingham good luck um <laughs> but and, if, and and they're running sport compacts on the same card so um wow. i promise you this one will be one to watch those of you even if you're not a fan of 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 late model racing in particular um i'm just suggesting that you you dial this one up it'll be a pay-per-view i'm sure on uh, carstour.tv um it'll be worth it because you'll you'll be uh you'll you'll be amazed at the speeds that uh and and i i just can't wait to see what sport compacts do on a mile track i i can't even <laughs> begin to envision that um so anyway next uh we next day on Saturday, uh, of course, on Friday, pull day time trials, too. We don't want to forget that for all of the uh, super divisions. And then Saturday, now, this is where Classic 64 is a little different from Classic 
65 or, or the typical Labor Day weekend, it's a two-day event instead of a three-day event. On Saturday night, um, the Classic 200, the 75-lap SBS, and the uh, JNS Paving 350 uh, Classic 50-lapper will all be run under the lights, um, or at least the 200 will be run under the lights, yeah, be, yeah. starting at 7. So this one's going to be a night race, um, whereas typically the Classic has been a day race, um, which is, you know, again, I, I like the day races better, but I love that they're doing one of each just for balance. I think it make it'll make each of the two Classic weekend events different from each other in that sense, because it is a different race, I think, at night than it is during the day. For sure, definitely, it's different at night. Uh, I prefer the daytime, too, but I think that, like you said, for balance, I think it's cool that they're doing both. And uh, it's. I also want to point out they extended the 350 Classic from 35 to, to 50 laps. I know a yeah. lot of the competitors and fans were hoping for that, and they did extend it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just really cool. Everybody thought when we announced two Classics that it was going to be like reduced laps, reduced purse, and all this other stuff, and that's not the case. We're, we're 250 and 75 laps on a Saturday night on, on – <laughs> Memorial Day weekend, so it's it's really exciting, and uh, I can't forget about the New York Superstock Series and on Friday as well for a fifth right. lapper. Yep, that's yeah. So we mentioned all of that, and and uh, so that's going to be a big. That basically is with some slight modifications because it's Memorial now, not Labor Day. That that is really this past year's or this year's classic that didn't happen, um, kind of dropped into Memorial Day weekend. Um, and I'm going to be the first to raise my hand and go, can we do this every year? Because um, so I, I just I just love that that idea of, of, of uh, the month of May, and then you kind of have the meat of your season, then you do, you know, the Labor Day deal. I think, it'll, I, I think it's going to be hugely popular. Um, and and yeah. a- after all of that, um, everybody gets gets a week off. No racing on June the 5th. I'm I'm – just again i'm i'm gonna be the first to say you heard it here first um if oswego speedway allows it you'll have cars on the racetrack at some point in that time off because <laughs> drivers can't just can't sit and not be in the race cars somebody's gonna want to go test probably yeah yeah just you know so if oswego doesn't want that they just need to go nope we're not opening the track i don't care how much money he offers um but uh, yeah june 5th no racing and then we get into uh what would be called the uh, and i'm air quoting here regular season on june the 12th <laughs> with the uh Wheel and modified tour so here comes our regular season we're, we're bringing in the mods for a special it's really I guess the overarching theme here is there really isn't much regular season. Almost every race is some sort of a special race. Um, and on June the 12th, it's the Wheel and Modified Tour uh, along with the Oswego Supers. And I think that's it, right? Just those that's two it. divisions. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Just those two divisions. Supers running 50 laps. It is a point race. Um, then we go to the 19th where... We have twin 35s for the big blocks, uh, SBS and 350s also on the card, regular show um, for those guys. And then no racing on the 26th, which will be uh, the weekend of high school graduation. Um, 
So basically in June, you have a week off, a big race, a twin 35 and a week off. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, so much for the regular season. Um, you know, this is, um, can, can y'all tell I'm really stoked about this schedule? Um, then we come back in July. Do we get a regular race? No. Um, we we get the uh, 350s um, plus the uh, big sportsman mod extra money race that was supposed to be this this 4th of July this year. Um, and so the sportsman mods come in. Um, and again, um, only the three fifties, it appears right. Running with the sportsman mods that night. So it is, uh, oh no, we've got the, Not a third. that's right. I missed a paragraph here. We have the champagne and Tony white Memorial. So yeah, we have all the divisions in action, another big show. Plus we bring in the sport mods, um, on, uh, July 3rd. So, uh, the 4th of July going to be another kind of mini classic weekend feel, um, for uh for that and um then on july 10th the summer championship for the super modifieds no 350s um and twin 20s for the um let's see yeah twin 20s for the sbs division so no 350s on the 10th of july but again a, a big race for the supers and uh twin twenties for the SBS, which I just the more I the more I hear about what's going on in that division, the more I just feel like that is gonna be I remember the days of thirty plus and the competition in that division back in the nineties and I just feel like we're heading we may not get all the way there to thirty plus this year, but we're gonna be doggone close in the twenties with some great competition, I feel like in that class, uh this season with all the new rookies. I think so. Yeah, I think we'll be in between 25 and 30 cars, to be honest with you. And I wouldn't rule out 30 for the for the September Classic. It's yeah. really amazing how fast this has taken off. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Um, let's see, July 17th, uh, 75 lap Novellus Super Modified feature, 10,000 to win, Mister Super Modified in the middle of July, um, along with the Mister SBS. And uh, a 350 race, which doesn't say it's Mr. 350, but, I mean, can we just make it the Mr. 350 Super Race? I mean, so it's it's kind of unanimous here? Yeah, I don't really know why it's not, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, you know, come on. I don't really understand that. Yeah, it's going to be a 2,000 to win yeah, race, too. I mean, that's going to be a big deal. I think that uh, we ought to establish the Mr. 350 Super with that. Uh, on the 17th and then again no ra- no racing on the 24th um we're, we're we we're seeing a pattern here no racing at the end of june no racing at the end of july um the high mile nationals in sandusky uh the reason for that is uh, they run that on the weekend of saturday july 24th and then we come back oh at the end of july we get king of wings so we go from mr super modified to the sandusky classic to the king of wings and we continue the uh lack of a regular season um no i am not disappointed about this um jack murphy memorial king of wings 10 60 lap event it will be an isma super and midwest super combined i guess combined points race is that how i should interpret this Yes, as of right now, yeah. We'll, okay. we'll call it a co-sanction, I guess. Co-sanction, the best, okay. The best way to, to describe it. But, 
Um, for me, I, I'm really excited to have Kane of Wayne's back. Yes. And it also reminds me of when I was a younger kid, 10, 12 years old, from the period of 2008 to like 2010, 2011, where the many of the Wayne Super Modified events, including Kane of Wayne's, were co-sanctioned by MSA and ISMA. And we had a lot of cars. Yeah. And if we don't have a full field for this race, there is there is something wrong. I think we're going to have a great car count for the return of Kane of Wayne's combining uh, both ISMA, MSS, and the Oswego Super Modifieds. And I know we're looking forward to throwing the Wayne on for it. So I'm really excited about this. Very nice. Uh, are you going to fight with your dad over who gets to drive it, or are you, are you, are you going to race the uh, event? He wants to run the star class. And oh. He's like really high on that. I, I okay. don't know why. I don't think he wants to run the super to swiggle. But. I got you. Okay. <laughs> well, that's going to be fun. Now, it doesn't, I'm looking here um, to see, Do I, I? am I missing the, what support divisions would be on that card? I don't think I see anything in the PR. The here. 350s are on there. So okay. it's a okay. all winged show. Okay. So it's uh, it's the King of Wings plus the 350 supers. I love that. Um so let's see. Then we go to the 7th of August and um, my favorite night besides classic and classic retro night um, with the old timers reunion. Um, please, dear Lord. Um, and uh, that's August 7th, 45 lap feature, just like in the old days. Um, and again, I would assume, although I don't see this here, uh, we're putting the other divisions on the card as well. Yeah, it is. It's okay. SBS and okay. the 350s as well. All right. Um, 30 and 25. That should be fun. And then August 14th, um, the last race prior to championship night, um, we've got uh, Supers, SBS, regular show, and the Sunoco New York Super Stock Series. I love this because this is uh, the second of their uh, there are three appearances, mm-hmm. and it also puts it within a couple of weeks of the big show on Labor Day Classic weekend, which I like. Um, no 350s that weekend because the Jim Belfiore Memorial at Star Speedway takes place. So uh, kind of that cooperative scheduling mindset allows all of our 350s to migrate to New England um, and go run sta that weekend. So we hope they will. And... Then we come back on the 21st with track championship night. Everybody gets a regular show um, and uh, track champions will be decided. No racing on the 28th of August because, well, next week after that is classic weekend 65, which looks slightly different. Um, Again, Friday, uh, September 3rd, poll day, time trials. Um New York super stocks running. Now here's one difference is that everything it apparently will start earlier. A- am I right on that Friday? Because it looks like they're going to clear the pit area um, and bring in the super stocks and run their whole program after the qualifying. Is that how I should interpret this? Uh, yes and no. It'll, it'll be the same as last year. Pretty much. We, we had everybody come in all at once, but we just let the supers and SBS and three fifties leave. Oh, okay. Okay. So that'll, it'll probably be that. I got you. Okay. So basically the same on Friday as last year. Yeah. Saturday, slightly different. Um, because again, we have the wheel and modified tour back, um, for their classic event. 
Um, but this year we bring back the NEMA Midgets and the NEMA Lights, which I am – that is – I just love that. I love that we're bringing those guys back. I, I – you know, it's one of those questions over the years you look at and go, why did they ever leave? Um, and and so I'm glad to see that uh, they're back on the schedule, and, and I love that they're going to run Classic Weekend. Um, I think it's been six or seven years since they've been at the track, and, you know, obviously um, putting them along with the Midwest, the Midwest Sport Compact Tour um, on that Saturday with the Modifieds, I think is going to make for a nice variety, a whole lot of race cars, and, um, you know, some real fun for the fans, uh, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's really nice to have that variety and diversity this year. I mean, 10 different divisions. It's been a long time since we've had that many different classes of cars. Yeah. Way goes. So um, I'm really happy to have NEMA and, and NEMA Lights back, and I'm glad that uh, the Midwest Compact Touring Series was able to work with us on classic for next year again as well. I've heard a lot of good things about them. Yes. And the whole reason we approached Nemo was because we were obviously looking for a different division with the whole change in the ISMA schedule, yeah. moving back to Cane of Wings. And Chuck was at Star and John and Eric, and they put on a great show, the Nemo and the Nemo lights. It was yeah. green to checkered in both classes and really entertaining. So Chuck went over and said, hey, we want to have you guys for the classic. And it all worked out, so I'm excited about that, too. Yeah, it should be fun. I, I just, and again, I, I, it's nothing against ISMA. Obviously, I love the ISMA Classic being part of Classic Weekend, but you know, every of once course, in a while, yeah. I think it's a it, it's a good idea to just change things up a little bit and, and to be able to bring in um, some divisions that, again, the, the typical Super Modified fan doesn't normally get to see because a lot of... You know, a lot of the super fans that are kind of from New York don't really travel very much. They don't see the NEMA midgets. They don't see the NEMA lights. They know about them. And they're sort of of the super modified family, right? Open wheel, open cockpit. So they kind of fit. But also to bring in the Midwest Sport Compacts, which just put on a great show. And, and they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, kind of, again, it's a nice variety on Saturday with those two three division and the modifieds um and then again isma being back with king of wings i think is is great during the regular mm-hmm. season and then next day obviously closing the pavement part of the season is uh, the 65th international classic with uh the companion sbs and um 350 uh classics as well and then we go super dirt week racing october 6th through the 10th next year um so it's uh again um you know all jokes aside there isn't really there are there are only a, a few kind of normal regular shows almost every show every week is is there's something on the schedule that makes it special and unique and um i just think that uh chuck and and john and eric and and, and everybody have done a great job of putting together this schedule and really making a, a great reason for people to not miss a week at the oswego speedway next year right yeah it really is a killer schedule i was thrilled when i saw it and uh you know i think that's the theme we're going with as you mentioned is every event is a special event yeah. i mean there's like two shows on there out of 13 weekends that say quote unquote weekly program i mean you if you're a super modified fan there's not really one event on there that, that you want to miss. I mean, it's it's a killer schedule, hammered down, really aggressive, and it's going to be a busy year for the teams. Well, and there's, 
what, two modified shows, a sportsman modified show, uh, three street stock shows, right? Is it? Three? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, two compact sport compact shows. Um, and then the, the midgets, I mean, there's, there's, it's just incredible the variety. And so if you're in more into the sort of modified, you know, late model kind of thing or street stock, whatever, you got a bunch of reasons to come to a swiggo. And, and if you're, you know, um, if, if, if you like the kind of low dose style cars that sort of, uh, run around and, and, and can get four or five wide, like the, uh, the sport compacts and the midgets there's that's there for you too. So, I mean, um, this may be honestly the most action packed and intense schedule that's ever been put out in the 70 year history of the speedway, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about how it was back in the day, so I'm glad that that you said that I certainly feel that way. I know in my lifetime, it feels like, yeah, well, certainly in my, yeah, my family, yeah, um, you know, I mean, I know in the sixties they used to have USAC and, you know, and some other things, but um, I mean, just the way this lays out, like we said, two, two regular races, everything else, there's something that, you know, and so many different divisions of cars, including a couple of um, new ones with the sport compacts and, and, uh, um, we're adding a modified race at a time when I think, honestly, the modified tour um, is is going to be even more competitive next year than it's been um, recently. It's um, you know, it's uh, it, it it. I just think that the timing is right for this, and and obviously we have to pray that uh, the atmosphere is right for it. But uh, you know, this this will be an amazing uh, summer, <laughs> spring and summer at the Oswego Speedway. Um, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I mean, as a driver, Cam, there's really, yeah, you get a couple of weeks off, but you're really focused on working on the car and kind of getting everything refreshed for the next batch of races. There's really not much time to breathe all year once it starts. No, not at all. <laughs> We're going to be busy and, and have our work cut out for us. But um, after we this year not getting to race at all it's been painful so i i can't complain no i don't think anybody will <laughs> you know and that's again i think it, you know if uh if if everything goes according to plan and we can just we can do this um you know i think uh i think this is the perfect antidote to this year um to be able to to get out there and have two classics and a bunch of other uh big special shows and a lot of different uh things and and i think everybody if if we've all learned one thing it's that you cannot take any of this for granted so while you've got it go support it and go do it because you just never know what the future holds so um you know this year will hopefully um again as long as it's allowed and, and everything's there this this hopefully um will be a big year in the grandstand as well as um you know a big year on the track as well and that's all good stuff. Okay, um anything else from the speedway that we should uh cover here while we have you on board with us? I don't think so. I know you covered the Mike Bruce uh super modified deal we well. Have. And, yeah. I'm excited for Mike and um glad you talked to Kyle Perry and 350 competitor coming on board and uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing what we do here with the show over the, the rest of the off season. There's a lot of excitement going on, a lot of new faces, some familiar faces coming yep. back. And I'm just looking forward to talking to all those people. And um, 
hopefully here soon after the new year, we get things rolling a little more at the speedway. We're kind of on a, a pause right now with, with all the promoting and stuff, given the, the situation going on. But um, I want everybody to keep a positive mindset. Everybody's very oh, yeah. optimistic. And, uh, you know, Chuck really wholeheartedly believes that we're going to possibly be at capacity restrictions by the start of the season, but that we are going to be able to, to open on time, even with those restrictions and, Good. and have the, the audience that we need to, to run a show and, and do so successfully. So um, things are a little slow right now. We got the schedule out, but uh, after the new year, I think that things are really going to start to pick up. Uh, we got the vaccine going and hopefully that helps and we'll be good to go for the month of May. Well, we've got uh, Christmas and New Year's coming up anyway, so everybody kind of takes a break, and this obviously is the the last uh, one of these shows for the balance of 2020. We'll be back uh, in early January, and uh, potentially uh, I, there is there is a very big announcement coming um, about, uh, um, uh, let's call it a, about platforms that this show will be available on, uh, along with the rest of my shows. Um, so I, I don't know if I'll be able to make it right after the first of the year, but we're getting close. And so, um, I'm excited to just, the more we can expose this show and the super modifieds and all of these divisions to, um, you know, a bigger audience, the better. So yeah, there are definitely some things coming up in 2021 to look forward to and be thankful for. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some fun. So um, now, before we let you go, Cam, because it is Christmas time and this is, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll come back and talk 66 and close it up after this. But um, this is the last segment with you. I thought it would be fun um, because you're really still a big kid anyway. And so am I um, <laughs> to go back and think about Christmas because we really um, obviously there's, there's the, the faith-based reason for the season, but it's always obvious. A lot of this is, is just fun and, and family and all of that. And, um, we wanted to bring some, some entertainment, uh, value to, to, to this and lightheartedness to this show. So, um, I thought it would be fun to go back and talk to Cam about maybe a favorite Christmas story or memory or two. Um, that he might have from his uh, much shorter time on the planet than mine. And then I, I've got a definitive um, Christmas story to, that, that'll be fun to tell, but uh, I'm going to let you start. So <laughs> reach back and talk Christmas. What's Christmas to you and your family? What's the routine? Um, you know, and, and talk about uh, some, some special memories you might have or something funny. Yeah, our routine is we usually just have – uh, Christmas Eve over at my grandparents and, and have everybody over and, and Christmas Eve is kind of our traditional present day and uh, on Christmas Day we always do a breakfast with the whole family and, and open some more presents in the morning and then do a Christmas dinner up at my, my aunt and uncle's in Syracuse so oh. um, that's kind of become our tradition the, the past few years but my favorite Christmas memory is actually how I got started in in racing I think it was 2000 three Christmas of 2003 I came downstairs and you know everybody was videotaping me so I knew it was a a big deal and <laughs> I remember I I opened up something under the tree and I think it told me to go out in the garage and uh, my dad opened the garage door and there was my first quarter midget in there on Christmas morning so that was the best Christmas present oh, wow. I ever got did yeah. they did they get video of your like you seeing this for the first time 
I think they did. Yeah, we have it somewhere. I have to look back for that. Yeah, we need to find that. We need to post that. That would be fun to post. Um, <laughs> it would be. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. We need so, uh, uh, Tim, if you're listening, go go dig that out. Find that somewhere. Let's get it in a format we can post because that would be a lot of fun to to see what that was like for for Cam. Um, and that would be awesome. Uh, I I mean, had you guys talked about it prior to that, or was that just like totally out of the blue? I think so. I mean, I remember being really young and having vague memories of going there and uh, telling my dad I want a race car. But, um, you know, I was four, and I remember okay. walking out in the garage and seeing that like it was yesterday. And uh, <laughs> you do. I, I was so excited. I, I remember how excited I was. So uh, that's where it all began. And now you've got a couple of bigger quarter midgets in your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just kept getting bigger. They did. Um, you know, that's awesome. I love that. Um, well, my tr- Christmas for me growing up was we hosted Christmas Eve dinner, and it was my dad's side of the family. He had a sister and a brother. We'd have my aunt, aunt and, and uncles and, and my grandparents baker and my sister and brother-in-law and um and my niece when she was born and then um the four of us my parents and my brother and i and we would always have dinner at the house that was sort of the tradition and then um we would uh go to my mother's mother's my grandma's on my mother's side and her whole side of the family kind of gathered there my grandmother turner was really like the patriarch um, or matriarch, I guess would be the right term, matriarch of, of that family. And every every year Christmas was about grandma. And everybody gathered at Grandma Turner's house on Christmas Eve night. And then we would come back. Now, when we were, <laughs> when we, when, when I was really little, um, my, my cousins next door used to open all their gifts on Christmas Eve. We still did ours on Christmas morning. Well, once I kind of, got old enough to be really aware of this and and then you start thinking about well the whole santa claus thing has to be a fraud because why would (laughs) like there's you know there's a a real issue with this because you know how do they um you know 20 feet from from our house how do they get their gifts much earlier than we do um and so um once i figured out that that uh you know the 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 jig was up um, one, and I don't remember how old I was. I'm going to say I was probably 10 or 11, maybe 12. I don't even think I was in middle school yet. So probably 10 or 11. Um, I got, <laughs> I got this, I got this notion one year. I went to sleep on Christmas Eve and woke up and I think it was about quarter to two in the morning. And um, I looked at my watch and saw what time it was, and and an idea hit me. So I went into the bathroom and like where I could see, and I turned my watch ahead to six a.m. because that's w- what the agreed upon time was to get up and go up and gifts. So now my brother, mind you, was still sleeping, knew nothing about any of this. I went in and woke my parents up. Now, th- th- as soon as I woke up, my mother. I realized that their clock radio still said quarter to two or whatever it was. Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, I, I, at this moment, I'm like, if they look at this clock, I'm dead. Right. Um, you know, and, and, uh, but, but neither one of them paid a lick of attention and, and, uh, got up and, and, uh, we went downstairs and I start tearing into my gifts. And then my dad looks at his watch (laughs) 
And he's just like, and he's, he looks at my mother, he goes, look at this. And he shows her the time. He's like, you, he looks at me, he goes, you realize we just got to bed like an hour and a half ago, right? And, and just like, and, and so, you know, you're kind of frozen at that moment. Like, is he going to scream at me or what, what's about to happen? And um, he, he just, he's like, finish your, do your deal. And then, you know, we're going back to bed. And so I, I did. I finished unwrapping the gifts. Um, now, that may sound evil and sinister, but... It accomplished its mission because never again did we wait until Christmas morning to open the gifts. It was always before we went to sleep. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the the irony of that is that the following year, um, the, the, the you know, God got his revenge because we went to my my uh, Aunt Pat's for some reason that Christmas Eve. Well, she had a thing of dry roasted peanuts, and that's one of my weaknesses in life. I love dry roasted peanuts. So I ate too many. And um, let's just say that <laughs> that Christmas Eve night was not a good night for me after that. And um, I ended up um, getting sick, and we still didn't open the gifts till Christmas morning the next year. But after that, we... we uh, we uh we went to Christmas Eve uh and so yeah that was my evil sinister um <laughs> Christmas story and I was lucky my parents didn't kill me um and so my aunt Pat thought that was really funny so every year she threatened to call our house at four a.m. to <laughs> to get us all up so she just um so you don't have to worry about it aunt Pat we're doing it Christmas Eve now um. So, yeah, there you go. So uh, any parents out there whose kids are listening that still believed in Santa Claus and now they don't, um, sorry. Um, but it's... <laughs> I was going to say, I hope kids don't listen to our show. Yeah, I should have thrown a warning out to hide the kids for this one. But, uh, you know, yeah, it was a funny. Uh, it was just I, I don't even know what made me think to do it. But it, it, I, I I have to say I'm very proud of that. That. Uh, evil idea that was about as evil an idea as i've ever come up with in my life so you can see i'm not very good at being bad <laughs> it's just not in me to but uh yeah that was fun christmas is always for me about family and you know um unfortunately for this year not going to work out for me to be with my family but um you know i'm certainly not the only one and, and i'm trying to kind of understand you know and keep that in perspective uh you know, and uh, but I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and stays safe. And certainly that hope that for you, Cam, and your family. Thank um, you. you know, I know you had Christmas with the girlfriend in Norway, so you're going to get um, two Christmases and two classics in the same year. Yeah. Um, how about that? You are one blessed child, my friend. <laughs> so uh, but enjoy it. And uh you know, yeah, find that video. I want, I want to see that video of you uh, uh, staring at the quarter midget for the first time. I would imagine the expression was probably priceless. Uh, <laughs> we'll so. dig it out. I've seen it before, so it's somewhere. There you go. Yeah, find it. We'll get it converted to a format we can post online for everybody to see. That'll be fun. Um, well, listen, again, thanks for uh, coming on. Have a, uh, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, Cam, and we'll look forward to uh, catching up with you again on the flip side in January before you go back to Norway. All right. Thanks, Tom. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. All right. That is uh, Camden Proud. And when we come back, we'll talk 66 and wrap it up for 2020 here at Inside Groove. Stick around. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. 
Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove. I guess you could say this is our holiday edition, considering that it is the final show, final uh, show put together for 2020. Um, And again, I hope you enjoyed uh, both of our uh, guests today, or really all three of our guests. It was great to connect with Cam for a little bit here and talk about the Oswego Speedway schedule. And of course, uh, always great to hear from uh, Mikey and uh, and good to have Kyle on the show as well. So, looking forward to uh, next season and and surely trying to remain hopeful that everything will come together as planned and we can all be back at the racetrack come May. This is our sixty sixth Inside Groove episode since we brought it back and got thinking about the number sixty six and honestly the. I don't remember an awful lot of activity with that number. I remember a few. I know that before I started going, Red Barnhart made that number famous back in the 60s with uh, the Wallace Chevy. Um, The first 66 that I actually remember was, in fact, Red in the 70s uh, with the Holinsky car um, that was owned by George Schofield. That car eventually was changed to number 88 for Mike Losher to drive before George sold the car to uh, Dick Rayner and Roscoe Town, and that car became the yellow 29 for Mark Letcher in 1974, and then it became the gold 76 for Ronnie Wallace in 1975, and we all know the history of that car from that point on. Ronnie winning the championship, with it that year, several features uh, at Oswego and uh, Fulton and other places, um, and winning a little bit the next year, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, they sold the car to um, Richie Evans as part of uh, Richie basically bought out the whole Rainer Town operation in '77 and was supposed to run the car at Oswego, but. Um, Never actually did. Jimmy Winks warmed it up. Classic weekend of that year. They parked it because it had some mechanical issues. Apparently, Richie had run it at Star. Um, And I think maybe Thompson? I can't remember. But I think he did run it at Star at a midweek show. And that might have been the only time in it. I'm not sure. I was trying to remember if there was a Thompson race. But I don't think there was. Um... Somewhere along the way, I think it was 78 or 79, Ronnie bought it back um, and actually ran top five a couple times with it. Um, did a good job. I mean, it was uh, the, he painted it a gorgeous sort of greenish color and, and, and had it still had the white on it. I mean, that car was just drop-dead beautiful when he repainted it. Um, and... Uh, now it's in the museum. So, uh, yeah, we at weed sport. So, uh, been restored back to its, uh, gold 76 livery and it's now in the museum. But anyways, getting back to the 66, uh, 
from then on, there wasn't really Barry can had the number for, uh, for a few years. And, uh, again, Barry, one of the nicest guys you'll ever know. Uh, it was, uh, it was fun to watch him race. Um, he had a show car that he bought that was white with lightning bolts on it. And that car I thought was, um, just a really, really sharp looking super. Um, and I think that was his final car, actually, that he ran before he uh, retired. But uh, Barry um, Barry ran the 66 number. And then um, the next time I remember that number being used, and I feel like I'm missing somebody. Like, I feel like there's there's a 66 I'm forgetting about. But the, the after Barry, the next time I remember that 66 number being used was... A guy, I want to say his name was Doritus, something like that. It was an Isma car, I think. I don't think it, it might have run a swig of a time or two without the wing, but um, I think I remember it more as an Isma car, and I'm trying to think. I, I want to say it was Doritus. Again, I do these things out of my head because it's just more fun for me that way. Um, and then after that, I don't remember another 66 until um, Steve Buskey had the the number i think mike barnes drove it a time or two is 66 and um for steven and um uh that that whole team there i think that that was and i think that's the current one too if i uh if i'm correct so i don't remember a ton of activity with that number maybe a handful of different guys had it um but I always did like it. I always, th- I you know, there's certain numbers I think that for some reason everybody takes two, and 66 was always one for me for whatever reason. It just, uh, I just think it looks good on a car, and uh, so that's. Um, and I was trying to even think about if there were any uh, SPS cars that carried that number, and it it did. It does. In my brain, there's one, but I can't think of who it was. So uh, that uh, you guys uh, certainly can feel free to jump in and help me. Um, that's why I do this stuff. It's really more about uh, um, a reason for some conversation to happen in the comments than it is just about me proving how good my memory is. So, uh, again, the 66th episode, I'm going to call it the Barry Can episode because... Um, Barry, uh, I got to meet Barry uh, late in his life a couple of times uh, at the track and uh, just thought he was a super nice guy. Really enjoyed talking to Barry, and he just loves Supermodified. So um, we'll call this the Barry Can episode and dedicate it to him, but uh, it's really to to Red Barnhart uh, as well. And, and you know, uh, we just... Uh, um, those of us who are a part of this show, I think a lot of us are really um, 60s, 70s, you know, 80s era folks. And for me, drivers like Red Barnhart, I would consider Red to be one of the legends. You know, he uh, he was around quite a while. Everybody liked him. Uh, he came back a couple of times out of retirement to run for Steve Miller in the 16 car. Um specifically in the mid-70s, and um, so it was cool that I did get to see him run some, even if it was kind of 
maybe he wasn't quite at his peak then. But um, Hurley was a real nice guy and wish I could have uh, met him and known him. So uh, if you want to, if you got some help for me with the 66, please throw it in. Um, like I said, I feel like there's at least one somewhere along the way in the Supers that I'm missing here, but I can't quite think who it is. Um, and that's uh, that's going to that's gonna do it for this uh, episode of Inside Groove. I want to take a minute here. Um, again, to say thanks to our sponsors, JNS Paving, Rich Worth. Um, you know, the beautiful thing about this show is I feel like my sponsors are also my friends. And that's um, this show is a family. Uh, the Supermodified Fraternity is a family. And so uh, when I say thanks to Rich Worth and JNS Paving and Sean Cathcart and the staff at Skip's Fish Fry and, of course, Jeff West and the folks at Indie Performance Composites, um, IPC Indie, that is uh, very much of a friendship nature and not just uh, because they support the show. Um, and I also want to take a moment to just uh, for all of us to remember um, those of us in the fraternity who may be uh, sick or, or hurting in some way. Uh, this is a Christmas is, is a special time of year, obviously. And um you know, I want to take a minute just to uh, have all of us remember to pray uh, and continue to pray and uh, show love to Terry Strong as uh, she continues her brave battle with cancer um, and lift up Terry and her family during this holiday season. And um, I'm sure there are others uh, that those of you who are listening to this show know of, uh, again, um, we want to uh, all be healthy and safe and uh, have a merry and merry Christmas and a happy new year. And so, um, again, I thank all of you for being supportive of this show and loyal to the show. And um, sharing these shows really, really helps because it exposes the uh, the content to new people. And that isn't about me growing my brand. It's really about me just wanting everybody else to be as excited about the content we talk about and the drivers that we talk to and the uh, type of racing that we're all in love with as we are, right? So um, please remember to to take a minute to share these shows. And uh, also, I'll just remind you as I kind of uh, get us out of here for uh, 2020 that um, there are many ways to listen to the show. Of course, uh, we have our Inside Groove podcast Facebook page and uh, Twitter as well. And... Uh, I know that Camden shares it out through uh, the Oswego Speedway social media, uh, but also you can go to my website, racechasermedia.com or racechaseronline.com. Both domains get you to the same place. Um, and then just hit the shows page. There's a separate playlist on that shows page for every one of our shows that we do. So you can uh, access the show through that page and, uh, uh, also, if you're the type of person who um, has an online source like Spotify or Apple or Google Music or, you know, where you listen to music online or whatever, we're probably there, too. Just search Race Chaser Radio and give us a follow because that way you'll always know when new content's up there. Um, I'm behind a little bit on uh, putting some shows on the feed. So over the next week or so, you're going to see a bunch of new stuff up there. Not just this show, but... Um, a bunch of our other shows too. I've gotten a little bit behind this week. So um, 
we'll uh, get everything caught up. So you'll have a lot of new content to listen to over the holidays. We've got a new Mainly Modifieds podcast coming out. Uh, we're gonna, we've got, uh, Justin Belfiore, uh, uh, no, Justin Bonsignor, uh, Justin Bonsignor, the modified racer, uh, defending champion will be, um, one of our guests on that show. And so, uh, you can check that out when it comes out as well. And again, all the same places, uh, that you can get inside groove, um, just, uh, look for the mainly modified podcast. So with that, Uh, I'm going to say once again, thank you, all of you. Um, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to uh, each and every one of you. I hope all of you are safe, and uh, we're going to be working on January uh, over the next couple of weeks, getting guests and shows lined up for January and February. So um, we'll be back after the first of the year for 2021 with uh, more Inside Groove shows And we hope that uh, you will be right along for the ride with us. So, again, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, everybody. We will see you in 2021. For now, I'm Tom Baker. Happy holidays and so long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.